den Richtlinien so vorgenommen worden sind, wie wir das für richtig halten. Das heißt... Billy, why do you look so down? Aw, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. <sighs> Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. Wow, that sounds great, Dad. Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> There is Daddy-O! Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Rocksprocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour. And now there's... Yeah? Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices! That is what it is! Look! looks awesome! Exciting and, dare I say it, very unwholesome. You definitely have that right, my good man. Ha <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Mary. My pleasure, Billy. And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye. Dad? Uh, just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine! Available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere. Or at Amazon.com or ArchaicMedia.info. That is A-R-C-H-A-I-C-M-E-D-I-A dot info. <laughs> Slippage by Michael P. Koob McDowell. Read by Wesley Critchfield. It did not begin as a time of madness. Richard Hall tossed his rain-dampened ski cap into the nearest chair and ran his fingers back through his thinning hair. Elaine, he called. She appeared in the bedroom door and moved to hug him. You look frazzled. Em, he said, face buried in her hair. Fought half the morning with a dimwit from Human Resources who tried to tell me that I don't know my own social security number took the IRS's word over mine. <laughs> Take a short loving recharge, she invited. Glad to, he said, tightening in his embrace. That's enough, she said, and pushed him back. Choose, start dinner or get the mail in. My hands were full. Mail, thank you. He took the key from her hand and the stairs to the lobby returning with six pieces of junk mail, one promising sexually-oriented advertisements, one a bill, one a letter from Elaine's mom, and a tattered copy of Cross Creek Weekly Chronicle. Cross Creek 
which was every bit as small as the name implied, had been Hall's birthplace and home for 17 years. His mother still lived there, and the subscription was an annual gift from her, about which he never had the courage to say, Please don't bother. The paper came an average of three weeks late, by the cheapest class of mail, and the high point of it was frequently a list of where townspeople had gone on vacation, or the weights of the 4-H sheep. Settling back on the sofa and kicking off his shoes, Hall ripped out the staples and turned to the front page. He immediately frowned and read quickly. Elaine, he called, listen to this. If it's the balance on the total charge bill, I'd rather not hear it, she called back. No, something in the Chronicle. They're closing my old high school. Why? Elaine appeared, bringing him a cold soft drink. According to this, the school board decided they would get a better value sending students over to the new consolidated high school at Atlasburg. Cross Creek High School was too run down and had too few students. So the last day of classes will be... Hall looked at his watch. Tomorrow. Oh, and they're going to hold an all-class reunion as a kind of going-away party. When's that? You'll want to go, won't you? It's... Hall scanned for the date. It was yesterday, he said, his voice dropping. Oh, Rick, I'm sorry you missed it. I've been meaning to get back and visit my teachers, my old friends. What happened to six years, Elaine? It doesn't feel like it's been that long, he said, shaking his head. Listen to this. Class officers will be assisting Mr. Hutchins and Principal Jane Warden in contacting all graduates. Jim Harris is our class officer, and he has my address. I should have heard from him before this. Elaine moved next to him and rubbed his shoulder, and he smiled at her. I feel cheated. It would have meant a lot for me to be able to be there. I haven't really kept in touch with some people that were good friends, either. It's almost 200 kilometers away, Elaine said, trying to let him off the hook. I could have written. I'm surprised your mom didn't let you know. So am I. The timer on the oven began to ring, signaling that dinner was ready, and they rose together to rescue it. Cross Creek High was forgotten for the time. But that night, after Elaine had fallen asleep beside him, Richard Hall lay in the darkness with the hum of the clock, the creaking in the walls, and thought about the high school and the friends that he'd lost track of and felt alone. He eased out of bed without disturbing his wife and moved quickly and quietly into the den, it was only 9.30 in Cross Creek, and a good friend should be able to excuse a call at that hour. Hall dug the small white address book out of the back recesses of the desk. Some of the entries he saw were very old. Too old, in fact. The number he had for Jim Harris was no longer in service, and the same was true when he tried calling his closest friend. The phone of Ruth, to whom he had been both friend and boyfriend, the phone was answered by a sleepy man who said gruffly, You got the wrong number. The phone of a teacher, who'd been rather more than a teacher, rang thirty times, but was unanswered. Hall returned to bed, feeling both anger at himself and deep depression. Something good that had been his had slipped away, and in the darkness it was easy to believe that it was forever beyond his grasp. A few days later, Richard and Elaine arrived home from work, close enough together that they were able to take the same elevator to the fifth floor. 
I'll bet dinner didn't cook itself tonight, she said. He smiled. I won't take that bet. When they reached the apartment, she disappeared for a moment into the kitchen. I was right, she said on her return. Want me to fix it tonight? No, I want you to take me out. Suggestions? The Little Lakeside Restaurant outside North Springfield. Our old summer rendezvous. The one where we had our wedding reception. That's the one. That's a good hour's drive away. I'm not even sure if I can find it again. You'd better be able to. Paul showed a mocked grimace. We'd better get going, then. The halls were generally silent while driving. Richard disliked being distracted. But as they neared the lake, Elaine turned away from watching the scenery. It was growing too dark to see well, and she spoke. Do you think they'll still have our picture on the wall? I don't see why not. Pictures of customers are the only decoration they use. Maybe they move out the old ones every so often. Paul pursed his lips. Would you be angry if I couldn't remember the name of this place? No, because you never remember anything. But I won't tell you what it is. You have to work for it. The Beechcraft. The, the Beach House. Something like that. Beach Belch. Oh, come on! Beach Wood, he said triumphantly. That's it. I can't claim any credit. I just saw it on the sign back there. Isn't this the exit up here? I think so. They turned off the highway. Headlights sweeping across the undisturbed, grass-covered sandy mounds found everywhere near the lake. A kilometer further on, the road turned to parallel the shore. It's not too far now, Elaine said. No. They both watched the roadside ahead, expecting any moment to see the building, the lights, and parked cars. That's odd, Paul said, frowning. I was positive it was just a bit further after the road turned. The car bored through the lakeside night for a minute more, and Richard slowed the car, pulling on to the shoulder. We must have passed it right at the beginning, when we were talking, he said, making a wide U-turn. It was never that well lit. But it sits right out in the open, right on the shore. We couldn't have missed it. I don't think we went far enough. I'm not going to drive all the way to Cleveland. If we didn't pass it, then we're on the wrong road. They drove back the way they had come, confused. There's someone walking, Elaine said suddenly, as the headlights picked up the shape on the lakeside of the road. Let's ask him. Paul was already slowing down and rolled down his window. The rushing roar of the small breakers filled the car for the first time. Sir, could you help us with directions? The man, carrying a fishing rod and tackle box, crossed the road slowly and came to Hall's window. He was at least 60 years old. If I can. We're trying to find a restaurant called the Beechwood. The old man pointed at the sands across the road. Right there. Richard looked where the old man was pointing. There's nothing there. That's right. She burned down. Maybe six months ago. Maybe more. If it were day, you could see the piling she sat on. That's all that's left. Oh, what a shame. Elaine said. They thanked the fisherman, and watched him fold back into the darkness behind them as they drove away. Home? Hall asked. Nonsense. You owe me dinner. The hearth? He offered. That will be acceptable. Drive on, James. Yes, madame, he said. 
but the hardiness was false. For a second time in a week, Richard Hall felt the tug of something lost. The graphics department supervisor made his way slowly through the maze of tables in the room, dropping off a yellow paycheck envelope as he went. Afternoon, Richard, he said as he reached Hall's table. He rifled through the remaining checks. How's your day going? Pretty well. The supervisor reached the end of the bundle of checks and started again at the top envelope, frowning. You didn't get your check early, did you? No. And you weren't on unpaid leave these last two weeks. I wasn't on any kind of leave. I was right here. Well, your day just took a turn for the worse. There's no check here for you. Let me see. Don't you trust me? It's not here. So what am I supposed to do? Well, you'll have to go down to payroll and get it straightened out. Hall started to push his chair back, and the supervisor held up a hand. Oh, not now. We need those charts for the taping this afternoon. Go down on your lunch hour, he said, and walked away to complete his rounds. I can't wait to tell you I quit, Hall said in a diplomatically hushed voice, glaring at the supervisor's receding back. He pulled the phone toward him and consulted a piece of paper in his wallet and dialed. Concept execution, may I help you? Personnel. Thank you. A new voice. Mary Anders, personnel. May I help you? This is Richard Hall, he said, keeping his voice low. I submitted an application to you several weeks ago, and I wanted to make certain it was all in order. Yes, Mr. Hall, I remember that you called. We recently reviewed your application when you filed for the opening and found it's not complete yet. We still need a copy of your birth certificate and your educational transcripts. I sent for both the day I applied, Hall said. The transcript is coming to you directly. I can write and make sure it's been sent. If you'll recall, I explained my original birth certificate is gone. I'm trying to get a duplicate from the state. It should be here soon, and I'll see that you'll get it right away. Very good. By the way, we've also had a little difficulty tracking down one of your references that you gave us. Would you confirm that we have the right address? Spark and Son... 213 High Street? Cross Creek, Pennsylvania, he finished for her. That's correct. My supervisor was John Spark, the owner. Has the company moved or gone out of business, to your knowledge? No, Spark and Son is kind of a town fixture. I can't imagine them moving. I can try and check on that too, though. When he had hung up, Hall turned to the artist working on the board to his right. Chris? Yeah? Chris Wood laid down his pen to look at Hall. Is it possible to catch a disease that causes everyone to try and ignore you? Why? Because if there is, I caught it, he said and laughed. There was a thick collection of mail, and Hall looked through it as he walked to the apartment. He shook his head unhappily as he walked through the door. Have I been especially bad lately? He asked Elaine, who was seated on the couch watching television. What do you mean? I'm beginning to feel like a victim. Of what? She asked, tilting her head quizzically. Of a new crime. You take a guy and ignore him. Pretend he's not there until he cracks up. I'm beginning to feel like Jimmy Stort. That's a wonderful life. Only there's no guardian angel. What's making you feel that way? Here. Here's a perfect example. There's ten pieces of junk mail here. All with your name. Two even have your maiden name. My lucky day, she said, smiling, and taking them from him. When they're in your name, you throw them out before I can even see them. What else besides the mail? 
No check for me this morning. I spent the whole lunch hour fighting with payroll, and I still don't have one. I wasn't in the computer. That's how bad they screwed up. And they couldn't process a check by hand until Monday. That's enough to ruin your day, she agreed. I can't wait to get out of here. Say, I didn't get to see yesterday's mail. Was there anything from the state on my birth certificate? Elaine hesitated, but only briefly. No, nothing came. It figures. Where's tonight's newspaper? I left it in the kitchen. Okay. When he had disappeared through the swinging saloon-style doors, Elaine moved quickly to the buffet and gathered up several folded sheets of paper that were lying there in a neat pile. She buried them in the back end of the table drawer nearest her chair, closing it just as Richard reappeared. What do you have there? Oh, just some trash, Elaine said, flustered. Well, don't put it in there. Give it to me and I'll put it in the compactor. I don't... Come on, give it to me while I'm standing up. It's not trash, really. Not yet. Are you trying to hide something from me? I... No, I... You are. Get them out. I want to see them. No, she said angrily. They're private. Come on, Elaine. It took you long enough to think of that. What could they be that's so terrible that I can't see them? Slowly, she retrieved the papers from the drawer and held them out. I would have shown them to you. I just didn't want you to see them tonight. Feeling the way you do. Some of the things that you said... Hall took out the papers gently and reversed them so that he could read them. The first was from the university he had graduated from, which Elaine had attended for a year. Elaine stood up and crossed the room, standing with her back to him as he read. Can't find my records to issue a transcript, he said. You're right. I could have done without seeing this tonight. He unfolded the second sheet, which bore the seal of the state of Pennsylvania, Bureau of Vital Statistics. Oh, no, was all he said. Very quietly, he moved to the bottom of the pile and looked at the final paper. It was a smaller, stiffer paper, very official. He looked up at his wife. Why did you change the title to the car? He asked, and his voice had acquired a hard edge. I didn't, she said, shaking her head. I don't know why it came that way. The car used to be in both of our names, he said more loudly. Now it's only in yours. You are the only one who could do that. They must have made a mistake printing the registration, she started, but she didn't get to finish the sentence. You! It's been you doing these things! He stepped forward, trembling from the force of will needed to restrain himself. Why, Elaine? Why? She stepped back. You're scaring me, Richard. Please don't come near me, she said in the calmest voice she could muster. I don't deserve this, he said, tossing the papers on the floor behind him. He had lowered his voice, but that made it even more threatening. Please, Richard. He stepped toward her, and she turned to run toward the bedroom with its locking door. She was too slow. He caught her by the shoulder of her loose-fitting blouse and yanked her back, the thin fabric tearing to the seam as he did. Why are you doing this? He shouted, his hot breath on her face. What did I do to you? Richard, I didn't. You want me out? You want to make me think that I'm crazy. You don't have to make me think that I'm crazy to get it. He was shaking her, holding her by the upper arms in a powerful, painful grip. In the face of his anger, her strength had fled. Without his hands, she would have collapsed. You've got it. 
If that's what you want, I won't stay here and let you mess with my mind. He flung her into a chair, pausing only to scoop up his keys and stalked out of the apartment. Elaine half stumbled, half crawled to the chair beside the phone. She could not control the tremble in her limbs and misdialed twice before making the connection she wanted. Chris? This is Elaine? Her voice communicated more than her words. Are you alright? Wood asked immediately. I... I think so. Yes, I am. I'm just a little shook up. Can you come over, Chris? I need you to be here. And Rick, he... The tears came streaming from her eyes. Rick's gonna need both of our help. Reassured by the presence of a full fuel tank, Richard Hall turned up the radio to a level that precluded coherent thought and simply drove. Presently, he became aware of where he was, on the highway that would bring him nearest to Cross Creek. Once he realized that fact, he didn't think about it further. It was nearly 11.30 before he turned off the engine, parked in front of an old wood frame house which he had grown up in. There were no lights on inside, but by the glow of the porch lamp, he could see that the house's paint was departing in long, ragged strips. A cloud of insects, gnats, mosquitoes, and the occasional bulk of a moth circled in the halo of yellow. Hall climbed out of the car to find that the street was quiet as it had ever been. Only his footsteps on the walk and the chirrup-chirrup of crickets broke the silence. The doorbell button moved under his finger, but there was no sound inside of the house. So Hall opened up the screen door to knock. After a dozen heavy blows with his fist, Hall stepped back to look into the front of the house. A light now showed in the window, marking his parents' bedroom. He followed his mother's progress to the front door by the other lights that came on one by one. Finally, he heard a rustling on the other side of the door and realized he had not thought of what to say. How would he explain his presence? Before he could consider the question, the front door was yanked open to the limit of the security chain, and a woman's face, old and marked by suspicion, peered out through the gap. Hi, Mom. How are you doing? Hall said, smiling self-consciously. Anger crossed the woman's face. You disgusting drunk! She screeched. I'm not your mother! Go away now and leave a woman alone to sleep! Go or I'll call the police! For punctuation, she slammed the door shut with surprising strength. Thank God I found you, Chris Wood said, his voice showing relief. Hall stepped away from the motel door reluctantly and let his friend in. I wish you hadn't. That's very well for you, Wood said, sitting on the edge of the bed. But I've used almost all my vacation time to do it. Elaine is very worried about you, and I am too. I'm only a little more confused than she is. She didn't need to worry, Hall said, closing the door. I'm all right. You might have called her. Let her know. Hall moved to the window and held the curtains apart with his hands so they could look out. I was afraid to. She's eager to have you back. She's not angry. You don't understand, Hall said, turning to face him. I was afraid she wouldn't be there or that she would be and she wouldn't know me. Why would you think that? Do you know where I went the night I ran out? No, if I'd known that, I'd have found you sooner. 
I drove to Cross Creek to see my mother. And she didn't know who I was. Oh, come on, Rick. You're not making any sense. She denied that I was her son. She slammed the door on me. And after I got it open again, she slammed it on me a second time. Could she have been angry? You must have gotten there pretty late. Wouldn't you... No. No, she was right. I'm, I'm not her son. She's getting on in years, isn't she? You're not listening to me, Hall shouted. She'd never known me. I wish you'd listen to yourself, Wood said gently. You're standing here, screaming some very strange things at your old friend. Hall sighed and sat down in the nearest chair. I thought all those things you're trying to say, he said softly. I thought about them in the first ten seconds, and then I couldn't. I got her to open the door again. Lord knows how. There's been a photograph. Hall took a deep breath. Hanging above my mom's couch for almost ten years. A picture of the four of us, taken when Diane was graduating from high school. Diane's the oldest, right? Hall nodded deeply. The picture is still hanging there. But I'm not in it anymore. There's no blank space. Nothing's been cut out. Diane and Chris are just standing there a little closer together. Now do you understand? Now do you know why I was afraid to call Elaine or go home? Can you imagine what it would feel like to go home to your wife and have her deny that you are who you think you are? That would be too much, Chris. I'd crack. She's there, and she isn't going to deny you. She wants you. Hall didn't seem to hear. I never believe in God, Chris. Maybe... Maybe he's finally decided that he resents that. No, I don't really believe that. I'm trying to be rational. But the things that have been happening, they just aren't... You mean the college records and your registration? The restaurant, not even being invited to the reunion, my mom, all of them. They all have to be related. Wood loosened his tie. How? Hall stood up and went to the window again, watching as if for something. I feel like I'm being followed. Like someone is tracking me down the paths I've taken through life and systematically tearing them apart behind me. It's getting closer to where I am. All the time. It feels as if I've done something terrible. And to punish me, they're erasing the traces that I ever existed. Rick, please, come and sit down. Hall reluctantly complied. You think I'm crazy, don't you? He asked tiredly. I want you to listen to me for a couple minutes. I'm going to offer you another explanation for the things that you've experienced. You've got to try and accept it and believe it. Because if you can't, if you can't, Rick, then you're going to have to admit that you've already cracked. There's been a series of unfortunate but totally explainable occurrences for some reason. Overwork, perhaps, has hit you in a very strange way. I'm going to take down every single incident and explain it. If I miss any, you tell me. The invitation to the reunion. Lost in the mail. With a million other pieces of mail this year. The restaurant. Does the fire need an explanation? You're not the only customers, or the only couple that had their picture on those walls. 
a check. Would that be the first error ever coming from a man-machine interface? Your mother. The sudden onset of senility. I'm sorry, but it happens. The phone calls? The fact that you hadn't called in years is explanation enough. The junk mail. They all buy the same list. And they add and remove names all the time. You're off the list because you don't buy. Elaine's on because she does. The registration. The law has been changed so that joint ownership is automatic and your wife's name is first so that's the only one that they printed. The transcript. 8,000 people in your graduating class. That means they lost 0.001% of their records. The loss of your birth registration. Do you think the flood that destroyed the regional office had you in mind when it swept away the filing cabinets and the microfiche? The picture in your mother's home. That damning picture. Was that the only picture taken that day? Or did they perhaps do one with just the girls? There were a lot of pictures, Paul said slowly. Is it impossible that something happened to that picture that had been there for ten years? So she put up another. Or I might have just not been seeing things clearly, Paul said. That night, I could have seen anything I wanted to. Did I leave anything out? Spark and Son. My first job. They couldn't find the records. They couldn't find them to use as a reference. And? I had the wrong address. He rested his head on his folded hands. I had been thinking to myself, My God, they moved the building. He looked up and sighed. I want to go home to Elaine. For a few days, anchored by overtime and bolstered by Elaine's affection, Paul gave every sign of having stabilized, but inside he was still unsettled, fighting to understand his own foolishness. Chris had shown him how he had misread the situation, but not why. Presently, however, he became aware of the hollowness, a space left by friends lost and not replaced. My own doing, Hall thought. One group left in Cross Creek, another scattered by college graduation. Too much work to keep the friendships alive. But all I have here is acquaintances and co-workers, except for Elaine. No real friends. Even Chris is more Elaine's friend than mine. Having fixed the blame on himself, Hall could do nothing but try to atone. He waited for a night when Elaine turned in early with a magazine. Old Cold Trails, he told himself as he opened up his address book. But how much can we have changed? Still, start small. After eight rings, the phone was answered. Greeter residence, said a voice. This is Rick Rick Hall, Mr. Greeter, uh, Hall said happily. I've been trying to reach you for a couple of weeks, but uh, no one's been home. I've been quite busy cleaning out my old things from the school. Who did you say you were again? Richard Hall. Chemistry. Six years ago, remember? Our lab group did an experiment right until May, and you threw a party. Greeter didn't answer right away. Young man, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. I had a Christian Hall a few years ago. That's my sister. Hmm. Hmm. You say you attended Cross Creek six years ago? That was my senior year. I, then I went to MSU in design. I'm really very sorry, but I don't seem to be able to remember you so clearly. I'm surprised. I came over to your house several times that year. Do you still have the little filing cards on us? 
No, I'm retiring this year, and I got rid of those. Yeah, I do apologize, Mr. Hall, but there have been so many students over the years. I understand. Is there something else I can do for you? No, I just wanted to say hello. It was a small failure, but substantial enough to blunt his enthusiasm. He sat there quietly for a moment and flipped through his address book. There were names to which he could not even attach faces. Perhaps it had been too long. The yearbooks were on the top shelf, and Hall had to drag over a chair to a bookcase and stand on it to reach them. They were coated with dust, and it had been some time since he had looked at them. Hall permitted himself a few nasty thoughts of Grinder's picture in the faculty section. Then he turned over the pictures to the clubs. He looked for his face among the dozen or so labeled Art Club, but failed to find it. But that's right, he had missed the three days with the flu, and that's when most of the photos had been taken. He thought he had been listed below as Missing from Photo, R. Hall, but there was no such notation. He must have been wrong. Turning to the senior section, he paused several times to admire the young beauty of the girls he had gone out with, frozen by silver chemistry in printer's ink. Then he turned the page, and his own face smiled up at him cheerfully. 17. The irrepressible lock of hair over his right ear sticking out. Hall reached for his drink, resting the coaster on the table beside him, but his hand never closed on it. He stared, incredulous, at the page. The muscles in his left hand, standing out as he gripped the yearbook tightly. The page had rippled, like water being disturbed by a pebble. And when it had cleared, his picture was gone. Chris? More trouble? Can you help me find him again? When did he leave? No more than an hour ago. Why not call the police this time, Elaine? I hate to say it, but we don't know whether or not he might be dangerous. If not to others, then to himself. No, he's my responsibility. I'm his wife. He's his own responsibility. And right now, he can't handle it. What are you saying? I'm saying that if we get him back, he needs more than a little extra attention this time. He needs more help than we can give him. Professional help? The county mental health agency would decide what was best for him. What if he doesn't agree with them? Your testimony in court would take care of that. I wouldn't, Elaine said. Not even now. I've got to love him back to health. That's my condition for going out after him. That you promise to do whatever's necessary for him to get him better. And if you say no, I'm going to have to call the police myself. Oh, Chris. She sounded tired. Find him. I promise. All Wood had to go on was what his friend had done the first time. Head for Cross Creek. There were too many places that Hall could have gone. Too few people searching. For the first time, Wood wished that he had given in and bought a citizen's band radio. But he hadn't. He could find little enthusiasm as he pulled onto the north-south freeway. Not expecting to find Hall anywhere but on the road or in Cross Creek, Wood nearly drove past the unlit car on the shoulder. But as he neared it, he caught a glimpse of the many bumper stickers adorning the back of the car and recognized it as Hall's. 
he pulled onto the shoulder himself and stepped out of the car into a night well lit by a gibbous moon. The car was empty, and Wood started up the grassy hill to a row of trees. A short trail led through the clump of trees to a clearing, in the middle of which Hall sat cross-legged. Wood approached him cautiously. I understand, Hall said clearly. Richard? Wood said attentively. Hall turned his head. Hello, Chris. Richard, I want you to come back with me. I was nearly ready to go, even if you hadn't come here. What are you doing? I was listening. Listening? Yes, to the world. Meditate. If you wish. Hall rose and brushed the bits of grass from his dirt and jeans. He seemed exceptionally calm. What did you hear? Nothing from outside. From inside, a great deal. Are you feeling all right? Perfectly. Are you ready to go? They walked down the slope, and Wood steered Hall away from his car. Leave it here. We'll get it tomorrow. Please, ride with me. Hall smiled understandingly. You're afraid I might run off again. Yes, Wood admitted. Shouldn't I be? No. Not anymore. Of course I'll come with you, if that's what you prefer. I do. Can you explain it to me? Wood found Hall's almost beatific calm disturbing, but hesitated to say anything for fear of setting Hall off once more. Finally, when he couldn't resist any longer, he said, You seem very different. It's just... I understand what's happening now. No. Hall twisted on the seat so that it was facing Wood. How can you see from the outside what I can barely grasp from the inside? I wish I could make you understand. You and Elaine both. I want you to be able to accept it. You have the closest ties to me. So it should happen to you last. All right, Richard. You don't have to go on. I would if I knew what to say. That I'm slipping into the cracks between moments. That a mistake is being edited out of the cosmos. Please stop. It's hard for me to listen to you when you talk like this. It'll be harder when I'm gone. And you don't understand. There isn't much time left. They're very close to me now. We'll... We'll protect you, Wood said, near tears. We'll get you all the help you need. I don't need any help. They were nearing the city, and traffic was building up, and structures outnumbered trees along the highway. I'm not afraid, Chris. When I'm gone, everything will be in place the way it was intended to be. At least, that's how I feel. I've made my peace. Wood took his eye off the road. Damn it, stop! He blurted. You're sick, but you're gonna get better. Just grab onto that thought, all right? That car is stopping, Paul said in measured tones. Wood glanced back to the road. Idiot drivers, he said, braking and honking the horn. He looked in the side mirror and saw that the next lane was clear, and swung the car out of danger with a twitch on the steering wheel. The screech of tearing metal said that the car behind them had not done as well. 
To his credit, Wood did not cause an accident in himself when he saw that his passenger was gone. The apartment door opened only moments after he knocked. I'm sorry, Elaine, Wood said. I had him, but I lost him. I was distracted by traffic and he must have taken that moment to jump out. I couldn't look for him very long, and I had to get a car back on the highway. Find him? Find who? What are you talking about? She said, kissing him perfunctorily. The kiss had the emotional impact of a heavyweight's best punch. Richard, of course. When she showed no recognition or understanding, he added, Your husband. You have a strange sense of humor sometimes, she said stiffly. The phone rang. Come in and sit. I'll be ready in just a few moments. Wood stared as she disappeared into the kitchen. The folds of her long dress swishing with her precise steps, and then he looked into the rest of the room, seeking some clue that would relieve him of his confusion. Almost immediately, his eye fell on a picture that hung by the front closet. It had been a huge print of Richard and Elaine's wedding picture. It had been. Had been. But now, there was a graduation photo of Elaine, and beside it, in a second frame, a college diploma. Why had she changed it? No. How had she done it? The diploma she had never earned. Because she had married Richard. Wood felt beside him for a chair and fell back into it. He held his head in his hands, fighting the pain of accepting the unacceptable. Then he looked back at the photo and diploma and was confused. It had been a fine graduation. A beautiful, clear day. A wild party at night. Elaine returned from the kitchen. Now, will you please explain your joke about Richard? You make me feel like such a dummy sometimes. Wood looked up at her and frowned. Richard who? Elaine sighed. I'm not going through that again. Do you have the tickets? I'm ready to go. Wood patted his pocket absently, as though something had happened that he had missed. Yes. That night they enjoyed each other's company as though it were the first time.